Welcome to episode 21 of Amateur Bartending for Immature People. I'm Shannon. And I'm Greg. And this is a podcast where we're going to be talking, thinking, making and drinking some cocktails. Yes, we are. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we've been... Today's going to be kind of another book report. Yeah, or a little history <laughs> lesson, if you will. Absolutely, but don't worry, we're going to get to making a couple drinks, too. So I, this kind of uh, comes from... I, I got a book recently called Dead Distillers by the Kings County Distillery. Uh, Colin Spoilman and David Haskell. Uh, it's about kind of the early and names you'd recognize distillers in the United States and kind of what they did and where they were doing their thing and where they met their end. And sometimes it was a grizzly end and a lot of people are people you'd recognize. Grizzly end. A grizzly end. But a lot of people are the names you would recognize and a lot of names of presidents are in there. And Ooh. Oh yeah, drinking presidents, lots or at of, least selling presidents, making, right? making and drinking type presidents. Is but it so mostly about whiskey or? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're, they're mainly doing, uh, they're mainly distilling uh, whiskey uh-huh. at this point. So, and one of the big things that caught our, my attention was we were reading through and about George Washington, and right after the uh, American Revolutionary War, had a bit of trouble on his hands yeah. with some local whiskey makers. Probably about what seventeen ninety or something like that. Uh, yeah, our our glorious president had uh, before he was president led armies in the war and mm-hmm. um, you know had some forays with his uh, with doing some distilling on his own and um, actually thought that it was good for morale. Yeah, that's what it said about his troops when he led the troops. He goes, they could do without just about everything else except for whiskey. Even no. though I think on the one battle he surrendered, it's because his troops, the only thing they had was whiskey. And whiskey. they got loaded and they couldn't fight the but French. So some reason he didn't blame that. <laughs> I don't understand. But um, yes, the only thing that kept morale up or something like that. Yeah. So he ended up uh, ended up being president and also a very large whiskey distiller mm-hmm. in the long run. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we figured this, uh, this uh, episode we would dedicate to the Whiskey Rebellion. Yeah, and we're going to celebrate at first with a cocktail aptly named the Whiskey Rebellion. You see what we did there. Ha ha. Segways. All right, let's make a drink, and then we will talk about how pissed off people got. So, That's absolutely right. So right. What do we need to make the Whiskey Rebellion? All right, we're going to have a, a new ingredient on this one. So Whiskey Rebellion okay. is going to use an ingredient called Pim's Number One Cup. I've seen that right? yeah, in a bunch of recipes. Yes, it's. I think it's originally from England, and it's a gin. I don't know how they describe it, but it's essentially a gin-based Amaro. So they well, that's use, interesting. They use gin as the base for their herbs okay. and things. Um and then they add to that, and it's pretty tasty. So this is going to be, you might not be surprised, a rye whiskey using an American rye. There we go. Um, to stay on theme. So we're going to get the Pimm's Cup out. Pimm's number one cup is right. the actual official name. Strange that it comes in a bottle, but it's called the cup, but here we are. And uh, a rye whiskey. You can use Bullet. You can use any American rye whiskey there to keep go. in the theme. So whatever you've got. Uh, you're going to do some s- fresh squeezed lemon juice in All this right. guy. I've got that right here. And then also we're going to be using simple syrup. I've got some we made just the other day. Awesome. Okay. So we are going to be adding ice to a shaker for this one. Get the shaker out and throw some ice in there. Okay. 
And I'm going to throw a cocktail Very glass good. in the freezer while you do okay. that. Okay. And let's pull out our handy measuring cup so we can make sure we right. get the it's right right here amount. Okay. And I'm Okay, so we're going to do one ounce of the PIMS number one cup. All right, that is going in. We're going to do one ounce of the rye whiskey. All right, that is also in there. And uh, three ounces of fresh lemon juice. I don't think that's three ounces. No, I don't think so either. I think it's three quarters Three of an quarters. Ounce. I think so too. I yeah, think this was I, wrong I read the recipe I, earlier. Yeah, sorry. I got this wrong when I was transcribing three it. Three quarters of an ounce is... Three quarters of an ounce of fresh lemon juice. That is there. accurate. Thank you for... I was looking at this again and going, oh, I, it's written down in the other room, yeah. but I'm glad you remembered. Mm -hmm. And then three quarters, quarters of, of an ounce of simple syrup. Yeah, let me put that in there too. All right. That's our ingredient. So let's go ahead and shake that up. And All right, we'll get the top on there. We'll do a little shaky shake. I'm going to grab that cocktail glass while you're busy with your getting it so cold, your hand sticks to it. Exactly. Uh, don't be rebellious. While you make this. Exactly. Here, give me that glass there. We'll okay, here you go. <laughs> strain a little of this in there. It's essentially like a, a little martini, right? Mm-hmm. Like a nice little Manhattan, but with Pims. Pims number Actually, one more, uh, yeah, no, not even a Manhattan, because um, it's got the lemon juice, so probably a more sour. of a sour. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see what you think of that. Oh, yeah, look at let's that. That looks good. Kind of got a little foam on top of it. I'm shaking it up. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, that's perfect. That's what it should. All right, cheers. Cheers. All right, let's see what you think about our first cocktail with Pim's number one cup. Mm, that's good. It's, that's a good balance, too, on that with the having, you know, three quarters of an ounce of simple in there. Makes it nice and sweet, but yet the that's so good. lemon juice tartness, really nice. I could drink a bunch of those. That's good. It tastes <laughs> that, really, that's really good. That's really good. It tastes real good. I'm, I'm real happy with that. I will not be rebellious about that. I'll be rebellious if I don't get more. There you go. All right, so now we have our Whiskey on to, Rebellion. On to the Whiskey Rebellion. That's right. So the Whiskey Rebellion. So Greg was came home after reading this book, and, and he was like, did you ever hear mm -hmm. this? And I said, no, I haven't. But then, you know, I love a good, uh, I love a good research project. Good topic to dig deep into. So we um, did a little, little digging. Um, I found a couple of really good articles, actually. So some of these I might read little bits off of. Mm-hmm. This one was from, ironically, uh, schoolhistory.co the, on the UK. There you go. Uh, on the UK website. But I thought they distilled the information down really, really well. So I'm going to tell ha, you ha, about it. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> that was so unintentional, <laughs> but I really like that. Um, so there was, um, at the end of the war. In the, at the Revolutionary seven, War. The Revolutionary War. There was a large debt. It was a million dollars. As you can imagine back then, that's a lot of moolah. And there was no money coming in. Mm -mm. Of course, they uh, created their government, and one of the people that they put in place was a secretary of treasury, who at that time uh, was Alexander Hamilton, which everybody is probably really familiar with Hamilton. And you guys are probably point. all liking him, but just wait a minute. Because you might have paid your $500 <laughs> for your Broadway tickets. Um, <laughs> so and just wait till you find out what a jerk he was. So Alexander Hamilton 
um, he decided that they needed to find some way, which, you know, totally legit. They probably needed to find some way to get some money into the country because they had nothing and there was no taxing, right? But if you remember with the Revolutionary War, there was a whole movement about no taxation without representation. That was what the whole thing was about. And people were super sensitive about taxes at the time. That, that was probably still a pretty a pretty raw scab there. So the it was Revolutionary War was really expensive for the individual states, and they all got a lot of debt from financing the war. Sure. So Alexander Hamilton he asserted um, for the very first time the powers of a national government, and he proposed that the debt should be a federal government function. And that it should be recommended that the first federal internal tax on liquor would be able to be instated to raise funds and avert further financial crisis. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and don't mess with people's on, booze. I guess well, that's maybe ba- the first and on, thing. And on base, that doesn't sound so outrageous. It was the first tax, though. So, yeah. this, you know, I think, first of all, they tax something that people were really attached to. Yeah. <laughs> because they probably were like, home, oh, yeah. it's a big, yeah, and people were making it at home. And so um, George Washington at first opposed the suggestion, but then he went through the states of Virginia and Pennsylvania speaking to citizens and to state officials, and he was surprised that the local government officials were enthusiastic about it and communicated that back to Congress who passed the bill imposing the whiskey, whiskey tax. Interesting. So, you know, but this is, again, um, people who might not be affected making decisions about Absolutely, people. people that are going to be affected by it. So under the new law, the new, the new federal of the new federation uh-huh. law, right, um, small producers, you know, it's people who have small distilleries, were taxed at the rate of nine cents per gallon. But large producers, you know, large distilleries were being taxed at six cents per gallon with increasing tax breaks relative to the amount of their production. So, I mean, you can kind of get the point that the the folks making the rules were the guys running the big distilleries. I mean, that sounds really familiar, doesn't it? And ironically, it? so then, you know, just um, keeping that in mind, giving a little context, at Mount Vernon... That's um, where George Washington where lived. George Washington lived. He had his own distillery. Bum, bum, bum. And it was increasingly getting larger also. Um, though he didn't drink a lot, he did feel like it had a significant impact on um, morale sure. of people who worked for him, and he sold it. Um, and at one point further into, like four years later, I think, they found that he, had, he was a really large distiller, like 12,000 gallons a year. Yeah. So, you know, not much has changed from the founding fathers to now where people who have the most actually make the most, right? Well, so they make the rules to... Get the most gain. Get the most gain. And they, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's been starting since day one. You know, it's funny when you hear, for me, it's always funny when you hear people say, oh, well, the founding fathers would blah, 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 you know, wouldn't approve of this. And it's like, oh, you look at this and you're like, oh, well, that's BS. Eight o'clock day one, the first thing they did. The very first <laughs> tax unfairly the production of alcohol. So, anyway, you might guess, uh, since the name is Whiskey Rebellion, that there was an immediate protest against the law. 
And the people who were small producers stated that the law was prejudice was prejudiced against small producers because it was because it absolutely was. I mean, just nine cents to six cents, and um, that uh, and farmers. It- didn't like the idea of paying cash as the only acceptable payment for the right. tax. And an interesting side note, one of the things from the books was, uh, he, you know, the farmers, and Shan's alluding to it right here, the farmers aren't, I mean, yeah, they're making it for personal consumption, but also a lot of times this is their extra grain or extra material that will not be sold or could not be sold. And they're making it into this tangible product mm-hmm. that they can use like cash. Right, and, and they it can was, use it and trade it like cash. So it's not that they're grump. I mean, they probably drank their fair share, but it's not that they're pissed only because they can't sit around and get drunk. They're pissed because they're taking away a part of their livelihood. Like those yeah, guys would be like, "What in, are we going to do with this grain now?" It was for trade. It was an informal yeah. currency for them. And all of a sudden, now they have to take this and turn it into cash money, which they probably they didn't, didn't have, have in the first place. Money. Yeah, <laughs> they only had grain, right? So or whatever they were growing, corn or grain or whatever it was. Yeah. So. It, Right. You got to just use, hit the nail on the head yeah. on that. Um, it wasn't that people were drinking all of this, but they were definitely trading it. Yeah. You know, so you might go and trade your whiskey for, you know, a couple of sacks of flour or, sure. you know, whatever it is that you need for the livelihood of your family. Now the government's coming in and not only is they're not even taking the whiskey. They're asking you to somehow get money for that whiskey. To pay because you made it and you you had to use up your grain, so... Well, this might not be a surprise. Um, the law failed immediately. Because <laughs> the, these guys who were just fighting at war for independence, and they're probably not going to stand up for this. That's right. The enforcement officers sent to collect the tax were attacked by producers who refused to pay. They're like, yeah, I don't have it. I can't pay you. Um, I've got whiskey. but Can't get blood from a turnip. And then um, on September 11th, weirdly, um, 1791, Robert Johnson, who was an excise officer, ta- tax collector in Pennsylvania, was surrounded by 11 men dressed as women who stripped him naked. They were upset. They yeah. did not want to pay <laughs> this man. Upset, yeah. So they took his clothes. Um, so then after that, perhaps inevitably, violence broke out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, on September 11th, the same, the same day, um, that... That particular officer, mm-hmm. Robert Johnson, was riding through his collection route in western Pennsylvania, which I, that Pennsylvania is yeah. one of the main states from the that's book that where, you're reading. That's mainly where the Whiskey Rebellion took place. Riding through, thinking about how he's going to get money from all these folks. And all of a sudden, he's grabbed by 11 men dressed as women, strips them naked, tars and feather them. So this wasn't a second stripping naked by men dressed as women. No, on it was, the same no, day. No, I'm telling you the incident. Oh, it's all of the same. Happened. All it the was, same incident. It is the incident. That, that would happened. be peculiar if it happened <laughs> twice. It's like these guys. <laughs> they a must weird have mob. Called, they must have called ahead. <laughs> Dress as women. Take his clothes. Send a horse. This time, tar and feather him. <laughs> no, it's the same incident. I'm just giving you oh, details. Okay. okay. So yeah, tar and feathered horse was stolen, and then was left abandoned in the forest. Yikes. Didn't kill the guy, just literally probably embarrassed the shit out of him. So, um, and got him super sticky. So, Johnson, however, he recognized two of the men who attacked him. And he reported them, and a warrant for their arrest was issued. Because, you know, I guess dressing like a woman. (laughs) Was not enough of a disguise. Was maybe not enough of a disguise. So, um, 
John Connor, a cattle drover, was sent with the warrants, and he was met with the same fate as Robert. Wow. Only left in the woods for five hours before his rescue. Jeez. Okay. Instead of like a day or whatever. Uh, Johnson resigned when he heard what happened to John to avoid, he didn't want to go through any more torture and humiliation. So, um, no deaths so far in the Whiskey Rebellion. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, embarrassment. And, uh, they're feeling threatened. So, over the next couple of years, there were regular attacks against tax officers with, Another officer named Benjamin Wells being attacked in his home in Wells. His wife and children were assaulted and men at gunpoint demanded his accounting book. He also resigned after the incident. Jesus. So not only are they like losing the tax collectors, they're also getting those tax collectors are getting assaulted. Yeah, because they're they're scared. Um, Federal Marshal David Lennox with John Neville were served summons to appear before a court to the distillers in western Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, that a whole county, Allegheny, Allegheny. Allegheny County, sorry, if you live there, I apologize. Um, not that you live there, but that I can't say it right. Um, they didn't pay any tax. And in the summer of 1794, so now this is four years after that tax has mm-hmm. been established, um, William Miller was approached by two men and refused to accept his summons. An argument ensued, and the two men rode off, only to be met with an angry mob who informed them that the excise officers were dragging people from their homes. Yikes. Yeah, people were pissed. And the following morning, Neville was attacked by his home by an angry mob. Gunshots were fired, and Oliver Miller was killed by slaves working on Neville's house who came to his defense. So there was one death. But it was in a weird way. It wasn't about, yeah. Um, The crowd fled, but came back days later demanding the surrender of Neville. But in exchange of gunshots, their leader, James McFarlane, was killed by soldiers who came to protect Neville. Wow. The mob burned down part of his property. In less than a week, um, a week later, Uh David Bradford, who was a wealthy landowner, incited a mob of 7,000 people Jesus. using a letter from Washington asserting disapproval over the tax at Neville's property, which encouraged the men to attack Pittsburgh. Of course, to attack even more. <laughs> right. Then the city of Pittsburgh officials sent a barrel of whiskey to appease the angry mob. I know it'll calm these angry guys <laughs> down. A barrel of whiskey. That'll do it. Uh, Washington's response was um, to the rebellion. He ordered 13,000 troops into the area where the militia were emerging, yep. quelled the violent opposition against the tax, and many Americans were disgusted by the use of force, including Thomas Jefferson yep. of the Republican Party, which was the opposition at the time. The disapproval against the tax helped build support for the Republican Party, which took over from Washington's Federalist Party in 1802. So one of the things about the Whiskey Rebellion, that was very, that was essential also. Because because of the Whiskey Rebellion, that's how we came to have a two-party system. That's kind of cool. It's really interesting. So this weird little whiskey war, for better terms, that nobody really got too hurt except for the person on that one property. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a crucial time for our American history, which I think is a kind of an interesting 
interesting little history in yeah, there. Yeah, it's strange that it like popped up kind of just right after the Revolutionary War. And, and it, same thing again. You got these folks that are trying to pass these taxes, and when those the other folks are not being represented. It's like just Im- exactly what they didn't want to have happen, and they were trying to do it again. Now, I think also when I was reading in here is that uh, let's take a look. Yeah, so the tax was due in cash. And I was reading, I think, too, that for at first, uh, George Washington had led that attack, like he had led, but he didn't take it. Uh, he didn't take the troops all the way there. I think uh, the guy who was uh, the father or grandfather of uh, Robert E. Lee was the one who actually re- led the really? troops there. Yeah, I was trying to find that here really quick to see if I could see it here. Well, and you know, I'll, I'll wait for you to find that. I'm going to talk a little bit about this Mount Vernon article I Yeah, found. go for it. I'll flip through his book and see if I can find So, it. you know, during this time, of course, you know, we've got the Whiskey Rebellion going, and it's a benefit if you're a large producer because you're getting all of these tax breaks and you can make your booze cheaper than all these poor little dudes who have these little tiny distilleries. And uh, on the Mount Vernon website, I found an article about whiskey production for George Washington there. And I, I, I mean, other people probably know stuff like this, but I didn't know that George Washington was producing whiskey at the time. He grew his business pretty significantly during the time of this whiskey rebellion, which of course was benefiting him. Um, but I think there's still stills and things there that you can go and tour. There is. Um, at the at Mount Vernon, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, he was not. They say. <laughs> He was not really a drinker of it, but he did support, um, he really did support like giving it to people who worked for him as a benefit of his company. And I think in the book that I was reading briefly in the book that you have there, Greg, that, uh, dead distillers book about Uh how, um, how he was, how much he would give to people, um, you know, People who worked on his house, who right, give absolutely. them whiskey or, you know, just kind of as a, yeah, like a benefit, like a health benefit, I guess, an unhealth benefit. An unhealth benefit. <laughs> <laughs> though I think he really liked rum. And um, I knew this, though, because we had looked at this thing about voting. Um, and he would regularly um, produce rum or import right, it. Right, Um that seemed more of his, and it looked like it was it was more stylish to have this imported rum than you know regional local whiskey because it showed they really cared about their their base, I guess. And I in, wonder in how this the book, taxes talks, worked on something like that exactly. if you brought it in. Now, in this book too, they mention a lot too about kind of that kind of wet vote type scenario where they're bringing out the gin and bringing out the booze for the the party the political parties because they're uh-huh. having a political party for reals. Because we did that, uh, we did that voting episode that one time. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, here I found a little piece of it on the article from uh, okay. Mount Vernon. He said that. Um, let's see here. It's, it's really tiny. So, he said that um, Washington substituted some whiskey produced for rum he regularly distributed to his workers. Both slaves and employees on the estate were given drink as weekly rations. And a reward for hard work. Estate accounts show that in March 1798, for example, 45 gallons of whiskey were given to fishery workers alone. Nice. 45 gallons. That's a lot of booze. <laughs> that's a There's lot only of, two guys, too. That's a lot of, yeah. <laughs> and then they died. No. <laughs> well, I, they're probably dead now. Um, 
Yeah, he um the leftover grain slop from the distillery was used to feed his pigs and he had 150 pigs on the estate as well as cows. So he, you know, all, everything gets recycled, everything gets reused, you know. Um but yeah, he he became a pretty large whiskey producer. And a matter of fact, there's a quote in here. It says the distillery supported 30 cows and 150 pigs that could, according to a Polish visitor, hardly drag their bellies on the ground. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So, yeah, so the, you know, that's the, you know, the used up material from the distillery that they fed to the cattle. Yeah, beer and whiskey production increased through that time and their... Um, because they were pretty inexpensive also to create and they could create them in the country as instead of importing, you know, instead of, sorry. Yeah. Importing is the word I'm looking for because the other stuff that you'd have to drink would be like French Madeira wine or, you know, rum from the, from the South and all that was expensive. So yeah, I don't know what ever happened to Mount Vernon's um, whiskey production. Cause you know, with your book, it shows all these different, distilleries and or people who are making whiskey way back into the 1700s and where it kind of goes into at that point but i wonder what ever happened did it just fade away or for what for mount vernon's whiskey production right. seeing that it was such a big business for them. now he may still have all the equipment there it may have still been there or something here's the part here where it says here that uh once they kind of got done he said uh washington found himself back in the neighborhood of fort necessity on his way to kind of quell the rebellion. Though he only marched as far as Cumberland, Maryland, before handing over the army to Light Horse Harry Lee, the father of Confederate General Robert E. Lee, and Alexander Hamilton. Light Horse Harry. Light Horse Harry and <laughs> old Ag- Alexander Hamilton. That puts a different spin on that whole musical, doesn't it? Now, now maybe he had. I, I haven't seen the musical. I, I'm feigning inter- ignorance. Maybe there is a part where he's like, going to quell the whiskey rebellion. <laughs> Make them no, pay their taxes. It. He wraps oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was yeah. that was, old school. That was more like musicals. That like was that. more like Les Mis, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, you know, I'm almost done with my whiskey right, we rebellion. Right, we have a second we have a second item here, don't we? What do we got? We do. I was wonder I was like, well, what is the another true American bourbon whiskey From drink the South that we can make? And I came up with the mint julep very nice we have not made those yet we haven't i'm not a mint fan but i'm willing to try the one that we create but you know this is one that generally gets made a lot um during the kentucky derby there you go because that's in kentucky which is around the same area where all this booze is made yep so um yeah and it's still summertime so it seemed like a perfect drink for this right now absolutely so we are going to make one as the drink that you can re-listen to this episode with (laughs) there you go exactly (laughs) All right, on this one, we're going to take a rocks glass okay. and uh, or a julep glass if you have if you're uh-huh. super fancy. There we are not because uh, we have a rocks glass, and you are going to need four to five fresh mint leaves. Okay, and this gets muddled into the rocks glass. Smash it around in the bottom down in All there. All right, so what we're going to do is you're going to put four to five mint leaves. You're going to bruise them up down there in the bottom and two sugar cubes. And probably about a teaspoon or two of water. Mm-hmm. And you're going to muddle. I'll probably do a tablespoon of water. That's fine. Yeah. Um, some water. Just you want that sugar cube to 
to dissolve. Have a little bit of liquid. So you're going to muddle. And muddling is bruising the leaves, not crushing them into non-existence. Into oblivion. Because all you're trying to do is release the, yeah. the oils from the outside of the leaves. Um, you do need to crush a little bit, though, because you've got the sugar cubes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can either do two sugar cubes, or if you want, you could put uh, like a granulated teaspoon, sugar. probably, of simple syrup instead. Oh, well, that's a good idea, too. So you aren't having to squish it, but you have to squish it anyway. So it's a good idea. Um, so you're going to muddle your leaves in the bottom of the rocks glass with the sugar and a little bit of water. You just making a little squishy, minty base in there there you go then you're going to add bourbon or rye if you want um rye will make it a little spicier but um you're going to do about two ounces of bourbon and you're just going to mix you're going to pour it right in there on top of your little muddled concoction okay we got that in there on this one you're going to do crushed ice now i took my ice cubes and i threw them in the blender on the crush mode and crushed it um it looked like uh Shaved ice. Turned it of. into snow. But that's okay. That's that's. <laughs> it worked out ice. okay, though. It, looks um, good. it actually turned out great. So you're going to do as much crust, crushed ice as you can. Crushing. In, uh, much crushing as glass. you want to. Um, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to get the outside of the glass uh, frosty. Yeah. And because it's crushed, it's going to water it down. So you don't Pretty really quickly, have to. Yeah. You don't really have to add water. If you don't want to use crushed ice, which there is a benefit to the crushed ice because it does, you know, kind of just dilute your and, and it gives you some bit. volume it gives you some volume too if you don't want to do that if you just want to use whole ice i would probably suggest a little top up of a little sparkling water or something just to dilute it down a little bit so but the crushed ice is fun so it looks like a big crazy bourbon snow cone and then at the very top you're going to put a little sprig of mint as your to make it look nice yeah to make it pretty well you've made that look really nice thank you and i know you don't like it but um oh i mean i'm gonna try it yeah, here, one, you want to give it a try? See what Let's you give think? Give it a try. Let's try your All right. mint mountain here. I made that one. There's no, uh, there was nothing really to listen to when we made this one. So, sorry, we don't have any. We could probably do the I history didn't... on the mint julep at some point, too. Yep, it tastes like a, a whiskey toothpaste. So, but that's just going to be completely your taste, too. If you like mint, I think yeah. it's summery and refreshing. It is. And I if you don't like it, it tastes like toothpaste, toothpaste toothpaste, and whiskey. I like the mint, and I think it's summery and refreshing. And I think if you're sitting outside on a hot, you know, 90-degree day on a porch, let's say, out in Kentucky and rocking uh-huh. back and forth and looking at the green grass and the little horses running around, that maybe you'd want this in your hand. Maybe you would. <laughs> now, Shan, if uh, people want to see pictures of that beautiful snow cone of whiskey... Okay, where cone. where could they go? I to mean, see? you can make a whiskey snow cone without the you could without, without the, the mint. mint. You could, yeah. If they want to see pictures, <laughs> where are they going to go to see both of these drinks tonight? You're going to visit our Instagrams, uh, which you can find us at Amateur Bartending Four, which is the number four immature. And on there, I will have pictures of both of our drinks: the Whiskey Rebellion, which is freaking delicious, amazing, and then the Mint Julep, which I enjoy. Could be polarizing, but, but probably is Greg really is good. <laughs> and of course, we're going to have the exact measurements, and we're going to have the uh, material you need to use to make each one of those on there too. That's right. Uh, hopefully, you're listening to us on uh, any place that you can listen to podcasts, and um, we would love to hear from you or hear comments or 
nice things, right. basically. Mostly nice things. Uh, we don't want to have our own whiskey rebellion. That's here. exactly right. Don't make us have a whiskey rebellion. <laughs> well, but I please subscribe and like and follow and all those things if you so desire. Again, there's going to be a ton of more uh, recipes and pictures there at the Instagram, too. So not only this stuff, but stuff previous episodes and a bunch more bonus content. And Greg, thank you for uh, mentioning the Whiskey Rebellion when you got to it in your book because that gave no, me, it was a, good. I still got a little gave bit. me an interesting history thing to look yeah. into. I was excited about that. I've got so. a little farther to go in that book, but I'll definitely let you uh, go through it. It's a real fun read. I yeah. recommend it. That was Dead Distillers is the name of the book. Yeah, one more time, Dead Distillers by King's County, that's King's plural, King's County Distillery. And it, it's pretty good. It's a pretty cool book. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Well, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time. Absolutely. Cheers, Shannon. Cheers.